for tuning into episode 32 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. If you or somebody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And before I move in from there, I am so just hearing some great stuff now from people who are, um, I need to come up with some sort of certificate, but I, I guess for lack of a better word, graduating through the Pathback course and, uh, and just some great feedback on um, how people feel when pornography is out of their lives. And if you listen to the interview that I did with Joshua Shea, who was the author about the addiction that no one wants to talk about, where it was his descent into pornography addiction to the point of where he was arrested. Um, I think he did a great job talking about even when somebody is, uh, there's just no, there's no room for it. So if anybody is, is uh, kind of stuck in that cycle of, um, hey, I viewed some and I, I won't do it again. And then it, it, you know, it's been a couple of months and then they are again and then they try and they, you know, um, find some help. Uh, reach out, reach out to me. Shoot me an email at contact at pathbackrecovery.com. And, uh, you know, let me know what I can do to help, but, uh, but, or go check out pathbackrecovery.com. But really there, it feels so good to not have that, uh, in your life. So again, pathbackrecovery.com. Um, I want to apologize this <laughs> I'm apologizing my confession, uh, episode 32, but last week, um, I did an episode on narcissism. First of all, a fun fact on narcissism 101, that episode, if you haven't listened to that yet, uh, that was the most downloaded episode I've had in one day. And I know part of that is as the podcast starts to grow, to be quite frank, um, the last, uh, several episodes each day has been the most downloaded episode. Um, saw a nice spike with, uh, episodes with Julie Christensen, the psychic and medium. Um, she, I think she really brought a lot to the, uh, the podcast. And then this one on narcissism just was downloaded like crazy and, if I really dig deep into the stats, you can see the cities where the downloads happen the most. And I am not making this up. I'm really not. I think I want to post something about this um, on my Facebook page, my therapist Facebook page. But the one of the biggest cities where it was downloaded was Washington, D.C. And I said nothing about politics or, or tried to, you know, I wasn't didn't say anything controversial. Um, but I just think it was kind of interesting. So uh, draw your own conclusions there. I don't know if there are people that feel like they are working with people who struggle with narcissism or if there are people that say, wait a minute, um, you know, uh, somebody I know uh, I think might be a narcissist or, or whatever it is. But it was a huge base of downloads from Washington, D.C. Um, but during that episode, I had one of the world's worst reads with a new partner uh, that I partnered with, which is bloomforwomen.com. And um, I just, I, and it bothered me because I am so passionate about the work that they're doing at Bloom for Women. Part of that is because I alluded to this in that episode that I just completed an 18 week betrayal trauma training through the folks who, who bring you bloomforwomen.com. And, and, it, and it just changed my entire world as a therapist. I work so often with the people who are doing the betrayal, doing the betraying, whether it's through, again, um, pornography addiction, compulsive sexual behavior, infidelity, um, emotional betrayal, this sort of thing. But this just opened my eyes to the people who are being betrayed and the folks who put together this bloomforwomen.com site um, have just done so much work. There is so much information there in the way of classes, um, forums, podcasts, live classes, uh, archive material. There's just so much good information there for uh, women who have been betrayed. And, and that betrayal can come on in a lot of different ways. So I am, I am pleading with you if, you, if you are struggling with any type of betrayal trauma, please go to bloomforwomen.com. And, uh, and on the front page there, they say you can sign up and now and get seven days free access to the site. And yes, uh, this is a plug, but please, when you sign up, if you use my coupon code, which is virtual couch, all one word, virtual couch, um, you'll get a month's free access to the site and you can really get a look at what's under the hood there. Um, all of the, the supportive information that is there, the trainings, the research, the forums, the, the classes. And, uh, and I think that you will, 
uh, you'll thrive there. Um, I want to read this off the Bloom website. It says, Bloom offers therapeutic online courses and community support for women healing from the trauma of infidelity and betrayal. We're dedicated to helping women gain confidence, hope, and resilience through professional therapeutic support, educational resources, and an empathetic community. Find joy and stability independent of life's circumstances. So please go to bloomforwomen.com and use that coupon code virtualcouch. You get a month's free access to the site. And and yeah, I'll be super honest if you uh, continue and use that program. Um, then, uh, then the, some of that does come back to the Virtual Couch podcast, which then um, only helps me kind of expand the reach of the podcast, bringing on better guests, etc. But, uh, but please go check out bloomforwomen.com and that training that I did from the folks who bring that program to you uh, was life changing. It really was, and it's helped me become a better therapist. Okay, let's talk about today's episode. Today's episode is on anxiety. Um, actually, forgive me very quickly. Our good friends at Eli's Extracts, uh, they have not gone anywhere, even when we have new people come on board like the folks from bloomforwomen.com. Eli's Extracts, E-L-I-S-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S.com. They've been a sponsor since day one. Use coupon code VIRTUALCOUCH. Eli's Extracts is an all-natural, organic shave cream scented with the healing goodness from essential oils. And uh, use coupon code VIRTUALCOUCH. You get 25% off your entire order. And and I use this stuff every single day. As a matter of fact, just a couple hours before I came here to record this intro, um, I was at my parents' house and my own mother was rubbing my head. Um, and just commenting on the smoothness of my head. And yes, that sounds odd, but it's not as odd as you think it is as a guy who has been bald for, I don't even know, 14, 15 years now. Um, man, if I had a dollar for every time somebody has rubbed my head, um, I'd have, a, I'd have a, a several dollars. I guess I wouldn't be rich, per se. Um, but she said she wants that feeling on her legs. And I told her, Mom, Eli'sExtracts.com. And then I felt like a horrible son, because why haven't I given her any of the Eli's Extracts myself? Um, my guest on today's show is Shelly Aldrich, and the topic, as you've probably already read, is anxiety. And I go into this during the interview, but I've worked with Shelly for a long time, a really long time. And at one point, she was actually my uh, clinical supervisor, and we and we talk about that. So uh, we talk about that because as part of the becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist, you have to get 3,000 hours, and you have to be supervised by someone who knows what they're doing while you are becoming on your journey to being a therapist. And she filled that role at one point, and she was an amazing clinical clinical supervisor. So I knew that she's a great therapist, but I mean, man, she blew me away in this episode. Her knowledge about this topic of anxiety was incredible. And I've been trying to get her on for a while, but it really has just been a scheduling episode or a scheduling issue. And I asked her what type of episode she wanted to speak to because she has a lot of different areas of expertise. And she kept telling me she felt pretty good about talking about anxiety. And I know why now. And here's my honesty. I recorded this a few days ago and I had a client cancellation later that day. And I spent that hour uh, editing the audio file and uploading it. And I ended up sharing it with a couple of people that I thought could use it immediately. And, and really the feedback I got within a couple of hours was, you know, I needed this. This is me. This helps me so much. And I want this podcast to, to be able to help people, give them tools to help them with some of the various things that we talk about. And I just, I personally feel like this, this topic of anxiety is one that is, uh, it's so prevalent because, you know, we all exhibit uh, feelings of, of anxiety and anxiousness. And I feel like Shelly does such a, no, a nice job kind of normalizing it and then also then talking about things that we can do right away that will help us with anxiety. And if you go to my therapist page uh, on Facebook, um, Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, I'm going to have the video posted as well. So if you prefer to watch the video and uh, and then this is one of those where really I, I hope you'll spread the word because I think we all probably know people in our own family that are struggling with anxiety. And, and again, Shelly's going to leave you with so many tools. And while I'm on that topic, I just have to tell you the topic that you weren't, it was video. If you go to that webpage or Facebook page, uh, on when I post a link to a podcast, I typically lead with the Apple or iTunes link. And underneath that, I'll give a link to for those who don't have um, iTunes or, or an Apple product. And then now I'm starting to include also a link to a video recording of most of the podcasts. And uh, and I just have to go ahead and tell you, I mean, I've, I've already got several episodes of the podcast recorded. 
um, that will come out later. And and I just started feeling impressed to put the videos up right away. So even if I can't get to the audio for a few weeks, um, if I have video recorded, I've been I've been putting it up there because I think that there are people that could use some of the help that uh, some of my guests are are talking about. And just a couple of examples. I recently interviewed a woman named Charlotte Underwood. She's an author out of the UK, and she wrote a short ebook about dealing with her father's suicide. And uh, and I just felt like I couldn't just hold on to that. I felt bad kind of having this, you know, and, and telling her, hey, thank you so much for sharing this powerful, amazing story that can help so many people because you're, you know, you're passionate about and want to help people, uh, you know, that are struggling with suicide or the suicide of somebody in their family, and and, and I'm going to hang on to that for a month. I felt so bad doing that or saying that. So uh, I went ahead and uploaded her episode to my Vimeo account, which is where I host these videos, the videos of the podcast. And uh, and so then while I did that, I also posted a video of an upcoming podcast uh, with a wonderful um, young woman named Aspen Drake. And Aspen hosts a podcast called Lost for Words, which I absolutely love. I listen to it as soon as I get a notification of a new episode. And uh, Aspen talks about grief and loss, especially dealing with the loss of her own mother to cancer not too long ago. So, and, and so these are going to be podcast episodes coming up soon, but those video episodes are up there already. So in order to find them, you can go to Vimeo.com and I think you can search for maybe my name or it's uh, my account up there. I think is Pathback Recovery and you'll see these videos and videos to some of the ones that I've already recorded. Um, but, but you'll find those or you can go to my Facebook page, Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family uh, Therapist. Go ahead and like it while you're there. Um, but again, spread the word and uh, you'll see links to the videos there as well. So I am so grateful that Shelly was willing to come on, share her expertise. I'm going to have her on down the road because she has some other things that she's really passionate about as well. But uh, let me just get to, without any further ado, let's get to Shelly Aldrich on the virtual couch. something in your hair right then uh we would toss the entire video <laughs> podcast thing it would be a no-go okay you would have yeah. just Buzz said audio only yeah First i don't, I don't have the, the problem air. with this stuff in my hair no right yeah well yeah now okay so do you if you have you ever had a client sitting in front of you and they've got something on their face yeah what what have you what have you seen i've seen boogers yeah. I've seen food. Yeah. Okay. What do you do? Te- stuff in the teeth. Stuff in the teeth. One. What do you People do? eat sometimes in session when they're <gasps> rushing in. Okay. Can we talk about that? <laughs> How often do you see that? My, my wife, when I'll tell her, she's blown away. She's like, I would never eat food in the session. but what? It's not common, but honestly, the times that I do see it are the clients that I'm working with to slow down and mm-hmm. take care of themselves. So I actually see it as a positive thing when they're yeah, doing it. So I'm they fine. come in and they're eating. and uh, But it's always hard for them to talk and try to eat at the same time. <laughs> yes. So that becomes a... Exactly. Okay. Um, what, and I totally agree. So, you know, uh, clients who are who come to me and with food, no problem, right? I want that to be the, the right. bottom line. But, like, anything crazy that you've had eaten in your presence? No, not that's popping off the top of okay. my, my mind. Yeah. Uh, normally it's fast food, and I had a client for a long time that would always bring in and out. Mm-hmm. And so, and that was fine, right? And then, and I always did kind of... you ever want some? Yes, and I was going to say... Just like, I, just one fry? Well, <laughs> just like... Honestly, and so, yeah. I, and I, I, this person, I'm not even seeing, I'm protecting, I'm being very ethical, I'm not even saying a gender or anything, because I loved this person, loved working with this person, but I would say it, I, in my mind, I'm like, at times, I mean, they're going to offer me at least one, right? <laughs> Your thing. Yeah, and it never happened. But the uh, the story that comes to my mind, the oddest one, is uh, that someone brought literally a plate of spaghetti. Yeah. So that one was a little, like, they had to come out of their car with a plate. That's hilarious. Bring it in. And coming in. Well, they feel at ease. And, That's uh, the way I took you it. You know, they're, they're, it sounds like they're living here. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. My guest is Shelly Aldrich. Shelly, welcome to the virtual couch, although we were on chairs. I've kind of mi- mixed yeah. things up a little bit. Um, they're big chairs. Though. They are big chairs. Like uh, but I have been trying. It's taken me 31 episodes to get you on the show. That's really not true, right? I, it, I mean, it has kind of, but it's, it's just because. It's a long time. Yeah, but that's yeah. just because we both are busy and scheduled. And our and, offices are literally right across the hallway from each yep, other. Yep, yep. I can open my door and I can see your office, yep. right? But I'm I was, so. I was thinking this morning at how we work together and have for years and years mm-hmm. worked together. But it's 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 hard to uh, find time to uh, just have time together. We're so busy. Yeah, so yeah. I'm actually glad I get to hang out. No, me too. And so, and I always, in my mind, I feel like at times this is like a radio show and everybody's hanging on to 
hear what we're going to talk about, but they've already seen in the episode description okay. that we're talking today about anxiety, anxiety. right? Yeah. Uh, and Shelly um, Shelley has a, a wide range of therapeutic skills, and so um, she could talk about a variety of subjects, but uh, we kind of felt like this is a good one to yeah. um, get your feet wet in the podcast world, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, I'm, I want to ask you about your background, but I just want to say, so Shelly was my uh, supervisor. So when you get your, to become a therapist, right, you get a master's in counseling, and then you have to have how many hours, Shelly, of supervised? 3,000. 3,000 hours supervised. And so Shelly was... Which doesn't necessarily sound like a lot, but it's in certain categories and not all those working hours count. And it is just yeah. a monster. But it's so important because as a shiny new therapist, and, and I've talked about this on my podcast at times, I mean, boy, when you started as a therapist, how much different are you now? Oh, so I've been practicing for 15 years. 15 years. I thought years. about that the other day. That makes me feel really old. Okay. But when I think of all the chapters of experience I've had from that and and how, you know, I think forward uh-huh. in 20 years, what how will I be like, like then? Yeah. You know? So when you're brand new, I mean, you really do need a supervisor. And so you were there, you know, you, you come up, run into client situations that you really aren't sure about and you bring those to your supervisor and you're trusting your supervisor to help you make sense of those, and you were amazing at that. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, All right, give us a little bit about your background before we get into the topic of anxiety. Okay. So, uh, let's see, like I said, I've been practicing for about 15 years now. Do we throw the joke in there, like, oh, she started when she was 12, Yeah, I was 12 years old. Okay. You can tell me how young I look. (laughs) I I will. Okay. look very young. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, and I, I have worked with a pretty wide range of issues. Um, I work a lot with individuals, uh, couples, families, um, I have specialized in working with children, which has been awesome. Um, I did a lot of residential work with kids for a long time, working with some of the most severe issues like, you know, trauma and abuse and severe neglect issues. And, uh, so, um, that was uh, an important sort of launch to my career, and I was grateful that I got that experience. Um, did you did you have like a certain calling? Like you knew I wanted to be a therapist and work with a certain type of population. I did. I wanted to uh, do couples, which okay. I got very clear about that in grad school, okay. um, and was super excited to do that. And so early in my career, it did go in the direction of kids and families, and uh, and I really felt like I was okay with that shift at that time because it was it, it just felt right. Okay. Um, and it has you know so much of my early experience just helped me so much be prepared for private practice because we see some really common things, but we also see a wide range of things in private practice. Yeah. You kind of never know what kind of issues are going to be coming in. And so I feel like it gave me a really good base and, and it, I just love private practice. Okay. And, and I have it. to tell you, I feel, and I'm not just saying it you're here, but the, it takes a special person to work with kids. Um, and, I, and I've mentioned this on here before. I, I did my practicum, which is when you, you're first starting out basically being a uh, therapist uh, rookie, right? Mm-hmm. My practicum was with uh, with kids, and, and I, I honestly felt bad that I didn't want to work with kids moving forward, but it was because I felt like I didn't, that wasn't my my kind of skill set, and I just wanted to wring the neck of the parents, right? So then I really knew I wanted to do more of the couples. Yeah. So when did you know that, okay, this is, this is something I love, the kids part? Um, I think that goes back to always having wanted to be a mom. So that's a big part of who I am. And I can talk about that in a second. But um, I I knew early on, uh, you know, because I was exposed, first of all, to work with kids. uh, These are the children we hear about on the news. Mm. And then you just don't ever hear their follow-up stories. Okay. So um, they could not function in foster care. So they were in residential treatment um, because their behavioral issues as a result of the trauma and neglects that they had been through, uh, you know, they they failed in those kind of settings. So here they are in residential. But I had the chance to do long-term intensive therapy with them. uh, And I had some amazing supervisors uh, who I'm still friends with today who helped me grow and change. I didn't realize you did, so you group homes and things like that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Okay. Did that for a long time. Um, And uh, and it it just, you know, it changed me as a person. In fact, uh, when I uh, was first hired uh, for a uh, a group home in uh, Davis, uh, it was... uh, families first at the time um a uh that we were waiting for my fingerprinting mm-hmm. clearance to come through so i wasn't allowed to work with the kids yet but oh. i was hired and they wanted me there so uh they literally put me in a closet oh wow <laughs> uh and it's where all the records were uh-huh. and for three weeks 
I sat and had to read oh. file folders of what these kids had been through. Wow. And as a person, it changed me. Okay. It changed me. And uh, Looked at it different from that point? And it, it just did. I mean, it, it changed me from the inside out. And then I had supervisors who were able to mold me into how to do the work with children. Wow. And I think it's true for any issues that we learn and develop. There's part of you as a therapist that has to grow yourself, not only in your profession and in your skill set, but it changes you as a person. Mm. It evolves you. Yeah. Uh, you know, your heart has to grow, your your uh, own limitations. You have to find ways to get past that. And so I think my work with kids uh, helped me grow so much personally early in my career. And I think it just made me a better parent. Too. I just had a little epiphany. Um, you know, you you know Sean Davis, and he was on with an episode, and we kind of talked about uh, how when you start down the program of being a therapist, you hear that this will change you. And a lot of times I think we think, oh, no, you know, it won't. I mean, but then it really does. Yeah. And then we're in this business of change. And how often do we have people coming to us and they're saying, I don't even know if I can change or yeah. I don't know if change is really possible. Yeah. And I love what you just said of, oh, no, you you changed. Right. So you you're living it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have choices about change. We yeah. feel it. We feel that resistance and that uh, pressure and the challenge coming towards you. And, and then you have choices about, you know, how to figure out things to, to push through that. We have to evolve and grow. And those are the powerful moments where yeah. we can do something different than what we knew how to do before. Now, is that perfect it. segue to work into anxiety or? Sure. Can I, I want to talk about my kids for perfect. a second. You bet. Because they're such a big part of me. Okay. So, and I have my, my little jewelry on today. So I have a good friend, a little shout out to her, uh, Nikki Harmon in Utah, who uh, just got the chills. I was reaching out to her this morning. Okay. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. So she's a, she's a great therapist and a great friend. She uh, makes personalized jewelry, um, and she was doing it for fundraising to adopt a child. So she's adopting a child overseas, and they're mm. in the process of that. It's pretty cool I may stuff. be trying to get a hold of her to see if she would want to come on the podcast. Oh, yeah. that would be great. She's right? fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, so uh, I have ordered some of my personalized jewelry, and I'm just saying this for a couple of reasons. One is it's just kind of fun. Uh-huh. So as a therapist, jewelry now has become my little way of kind of uh, expressing myself ah. um, and so I've got uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law gave me a bracelet here and uh, for Christmas that says everything happens for a reason okay so there's these little things and I've got my charms and my kids here when I travel especially I make sure I'm wearing my necklace it's okay my kids close to my heart so nice. I'm a single parent so shout out to single parents uh, dads and moms out there shout out to parents period um, but yeah I have two girls that um, raise it on my own and, and loving every minute of uh, being their mom nice yeah okay okay um, and I just had a experience with your older daughter where she works and she's just awesome. Like oh, she really is. You. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Where do we go now? Okay. So anxiety. Yeah. So, uh, anxiety is uh, a topic I felt comfortable talking about, uh, in this first, uh, hangout session here with you. Um, for multiple reasons. One is, uh, in the last, I would say, five, maybe plus years, um, my practice has just been inundated with this issue. Mm. Um, and then we can talk more about th- that it is just is so prevalent. Um, it also has, uh, as I've done the work and grown myself, um, I've become more aware of the uh, anxiety that I deal with okay. personally. And, uh, and and was had some awareness of that because we all experience anxiety. It's a normal emotion. We all experience stress. Um, so I've just become more attuned and more aware to my own level of anxiety that I kind of struggle with. Um, and um, I have a child who has significant anxiety and has quite a battle, significant battle with that. And she's given me permission to talk a little bit about that. Today. Which is wonderful. Yeah. So it hits, you know, it, it's something I feel like I can relate to and talk uh, about on many different levels. Okay. Do you, are you okay if uh, kind of what's your definition of anxiety or... Yeah. Because yeah. I like how you say everybody feels it, and I know they do, but I think that some people don't know how to label it, or they think that yeah. something's wrong with them. Or yeah. So what is anxiety, if you're describing it to somebody? So let's start with uh, trying to categorize it a little bit. So uh, hopefully anyone listening to this podcast today can relate to it, at least on the level of it's a basic human emotion that okay. we all experience. So sometimes we call it stress. Sometimes we call it nervousness. Uh, it can even border on fear a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, so we all feel feel that it's a normal part of life um it's a signal to us that we should pay attention to something right i like that um, yeah 
so so we can all relate to that. So anxiety is an important signal. It's an important emotion that helps us pay attention to our environment and potentially things that might be dangerous. Uh, and yeah, it has like a, a biological, um, it's necessary, right? It is. Because if you go back into, I remember doing a training and, and this guy was big into evolutionary biology and he said that, you know, this is the part that kept us uh, not being killed from saber-toothed tigers, right. right? Right. Now we don't necessarily have the saber-toothed tigers. Get up and run. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's good. Um, uh, something, again, that I think all listeners probably can relate to is that uh, research really is showing that it's so prevalent. Mm. So all of us are experiencing, generally speaking, all of us are experiencing higher levels of anxiety. And we're really seeing some societal shifts and reasons for some of that. Uh, we're seeing some technology impact on some of that. Um, anxiety disorders are the number one most prevalent mental health issue that oh, there is. Okay. So, so we all need to know about it. We all need to recognize its role in our life. And we can, hopefully, as we categorize some things today, people can uh, sort of assess themselves in a really healthy uh, way as to where their anxiety is and how they respond to those signals of anxiety and and uh, how it's kind of impacting their life. Okay. So if we go kind of to uh, a little bit more the fur- further end of the, the spectrum there um, of where we start talking about mental health disorders, like at what point does it become a problem where you either need to seek some professional help or you really need to recognize that uh, anxiety is taking over and becoming problematic in your life as opposed to helping signal things you should pay attention okay. to. Um, and so one of the ways that we really start to assess that is when it starts to impair our functioning. Okay. So and this requires some uh, awareness, right? Yeah. Because I think do you find that a lot of people will, they don't even realize they're slowly pulling away from friends or isolating yeah. or, and so then that they feel like there's good reason or justification yeah. or. Okay. Or a lot of times they're paying attention to external reasons for that. Okay. And not, oh, I'm not going to that party because so-and-so is going to be yeah. there. As opposed to really recognizing that, you know, in lots of areas of their life, they're recognizing or they're experiencing anxiety and avoiding yeah. situations. So, so I think sometimes people, that awareness is important. They're quicker to blame it on things on the outside, not just because they don't have that insight yet or that right. connection that something bigger is going on. Shout out to therapists that. because, I mean, this is the part where I feel like it helps to go work these things through because my mind just went to um, we're also working with clients at times to set healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. But then at what point is a healthy boundary being a, I don't want to say an excuse, right? But it's yeah. like a, a way to then say, I don't really need to deal with this thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So anxiety starts hijacking your life yeah. slowly okay. to different degrees. And, uh, you know, sometimes for some people that can just be you're going through a hard time and that just kind of creeps up and gets you for a little while. And then it kind of works itself out and you're kind of right back in the sort of, you know, back on the highway of life uh, as usual. Um, but for some people, it starts to really progress and become worse and worse. And it just slowly can creep in there. And sometimes it can come on really fast. Can you think about So an example of, I'm almost thinking of situational things that, you know, something's coming, you get really anxious, the thing happens, and then it's gone. And I mean, is that an example of just... Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and that might be, you know, we know that public speaking is one of the most anxiety-provoking situations yeah. there is. That's one of people's biggest fears. Um, and so, yeah, you have an upcoming speech to give at school, and you get nervous about it for days in advance. You give the speech, you get through it, and the anxiety is gone after that, right? Okay. That would be some pretty normal situational anxiety. Uh, and, and some people might need a little bit of extra help for how to cope with that anxiety in days before, and there's certainly things you can do to work through normal anxieties that come up um but i think today we're going to focus a little bit more on when it really starts to stop you in your tracks okay perfect okay so um let's back up a little bit and let's talk about what those symptoms really look like and uh this is where today i really want to be an advocate for those who really suffer with anxiety because i think because it is so common and we all experience it to some degree it also gets minimized Mm. like how um painful it actually really is okay and so, um, uh, anxiety starts with a cognition. It starts with a worry. 
Okay. And that doesn't mean that somebody creates that or makes it happen for whatever reason. Let's just, we could argue about that all day. Right. But, um, you know, the cognition's there, which really starts as a worry. Okay. A worry's different than just a, a neutral, benign thought. Okay. When you right? say cognition, by the way, for just the average, so you're talking about a thought. It yes. starts with a thought. Okay. It starts with a thought. Okay. Uh, so with anxiety, it's an intrusive thought. Okay. Now, we could put that on a scale. I like to use my 0 to 10 scale just to keep it simple. So, uh, but for anxious thoughts, right, they're going to be, they're going to have some higher numbers there. Okay. So it starts with uh, an anxious thought, but what really starts to happen with anxiety is it then sets off those alarms Mm. that we were talking about. So it sets off all these physiological signs in the body and responses. So it's really the stress response. It kicks us into fight or flight. Okay. So literally, and this is where I love the physiological, your heart rate increases. What Absolutely. else happens? Every It's real, Absolutely. right? The heart rate launches like everything yeah. into, uh, uh, and so yeah, you're going to have the rapid heart rate, uh, which immediately kind of makes you start to feel like you can't breathe. Mm. Even though you are, it kind of makes you feel like you're losing your breath. Uh, some people uh, even can, can feel uh, like they can't catch their breath. Um, uh, lots of uh, GI uh, things start to take place, including like acids released in the stomach, and you can—that's where a lot of stomach pains come from. Okay. Um, a lot of children will complain of stomach aches, and parents get frustrated because yeah. they're making up symptoms because they don't want to go to school, or they—they can see the avoidance. Sure. But there really is the physiological component. I, of I don't that. know if I've ever tied those. That is—that's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of my clients struggle uh, with immediately they can get extreme uh, GI symptoms, including diarrhea and constipation. And um, so we need to be able to talk about all the things that happen in the body so that people really can make those connections Mm -hmm. as to how their anxiety is affecting their body. But again, so that other people who are... uh, uh, have family members or friends or people they love and care about struggling with anxiety can really be sympathetic to how it really is. It just sets off the stress response in the body. Okay. Including lots of neurochemicals being released, cortisol being released, all of those things that are, you know, uh, from an evolutionary perspective, there to help us save and protect ourselves. Okay. Uh, but the alarm is getting tripped more and more with people on a regular, more chronic, pervasive basis. Oh every day so okay. we can see how that's causing problems um all of the the medical impact of all of those things chronically happening in our body including the level of hypervigilance um, of our nervous systems you can just play that out uh including inflammation in the body and it taxing all the organs wow. and it, it's the same as chronic sort of stress okay um and we know you can go to uh, i've been to actually even lots of our um the professional conferences that we go to crosses over a lot with the medical field and so i'm constantly hearing about the toll that our chronic anxiety and stress just takes on the body and yeah. how it's the long-term impact of that is pretty devastating. Okay, and then do I, I'm dying to jump into, you know, do you want to hit solutions yet or do you want to kind of lay out more of the picture? I mean, because there's, when you talk about that, I immediately think of people that I work with who, when they start to feel like they can't breathe, and I love how you laid that out, they've had some intrusive thought, and and now the physiological symptoms kick in, and people just want to say, hey, calm down, right? Yeah. Which is the absolutely. last thing that the person wants to hear. Yeah. Do you want to kind of go there now? Yeah, let's okay. talk about that. Good awareness. And and we'll talk more about that, too, when we talk about treatment. Okay. Is family members and yeah. loved ones, what to do, what not to do, and how you can really under uh, be supportive. Um, but I think, most importantly, that comes with an education. That's okay. why we're spending some time on really understanding the symptoms. Yeah. Because uh, I know as I describe those symptoms, it, it kind of makes all of us get triggered with a little bit of stress. I, totally, right? yes. It's like, ooh, yeah, my heart rate's going up a little bit there as you describe that which as a side note by the way is one of the reasons people avoid treatment oh talking about your anxiety makes you more anxious sure. it's like going into the eye of the storm there yeah it's the last place they want to go and and sometimes they just feel like they can't do it yeah um so we really need to be uh, sensitive to the physical distress that anxiety really brings so that is the cliche it's going to probably get a little hard before it yeah. gets better yeah, right absolutely but okay then you get the skills for how to manage it so okay. i love the word metabolizing so you metabolize the anxiety and that's what you learn how to do in therapy okay how to work through it how to reduce it how to manage it in your life um and and when i see people really make progress with that 
the anxiety uh, becomes less re uh, relentless in their life. It, we really see it reduce in a lot of different areas. It's, it's almost like anxiety is this, this entity yeah. that once it can't get to you as much anymore, it really starts to back off in wow. lots of different areas. And then people, when they get to that level and they're getting that level of relief, then it really starts really, to change feel, their Yeah, life, they're feeling right? empowered and they're feeling like, okay, I love the way you laid that out. So... So what do you, or we can wait, we can wait. I'm dying to get to the, what do you say you instead of calm down, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay, oh. so thanks for bringing me back because um, I could go in lots of different directions today. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, and you know, I, I like to describe, uh, you know, uh, levels okay. and stages of treatment and stages of recovery okay. from anxiety. So what families uh, and loved ones should do varies at different stages. Oh, okay, fair so point. So early on, yeah. it's important for people just to be compassionate and understand. Okay, empathy. Yeah, okay. empathy, empathy, empathy. Uh, let the person tell you what their experience is like. Encourage them to say more because what a lot of times, yeah. I already was <laughs> first thinking of all, this. Yeah. other people's anxiety triggers our own anxiety. Sure. So we can want to shut that down, not because we don't care, but it's just kind of overwhelming. Uh, often we feel helpless and we're not sure how to help. Um, and we just, we see people struggle and not getting better and we get frustrated with that. Right. Sometimes. And then we make it, it becomes about us too. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Right. And then that, that doesn't make the person feel like. It doesn't. And we can oscillate yeah. between being helpful and loving and being empathic in those moments and then we can also you know we can get hit our frustrations and be angry or blame the person yes or not be very understanding yeah and then that just adds to the avoidance yeah, for really people does. with anxiety of like you know what no one gets this i can't trust anyone right now and i've, I've had people literally say look oh i, I do the empathy thing i was I, for 10 minutes i told them i'm so sorry but but then i lost it right yeah. like yeah it might take a little longer than 10 minutes right okay right and that's why, you know, it helps family members, too, to understand stages. So when I'm working with kids, which, again, has really become epidemic in my practice, uh -huh. um, and, uh, and, and it has become just this sort of specialty now that I do is working with children and families uh, with anxiety, um, one in every eight kids now is struggling with significant anxiety. Significant. Wow. Significant. Okay. That's like insane, right? Yeah, that, that's like really Yeah, look around a classroom and there's like a, several kids that are really struggling in that moment then probably. Yeah. And and I am noticing, this is anecdotal, I don't have any evidence for this, but I'm noticing these tend to be really compliant kids. Yeah. The kids who are trying to be perfect, they're trying to do a good job. Um, and, uh, and, and so they're not saying anything about the suffering that they're having. They're mm -hmm. trying to just be good, they're trying to do their work, and they are just sitting there suffering in silence. Wow. And I wanna bring a voice to that too. That's, I have a couple of those right you know, yeah. I don't do a lot with uh, the younger clients yeah. I work with. I mean, because uh, they don't, and they're worried they would get in trouble if they say anything, Absolutely. right? And a lot of what they're doing is to avoid that. Yeah. Um, they don't even wanna raise their hand and give a wrong answer. Yep. Uh, they don't wanna, uh, uh, asked to go to the bathroom yeah think about the gi problems that they're having wow. they are in class and they're afraid to go to the bathroom okay and they, and 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 they don't want anyone to know about their anxiety absolutely and then I, boy, i'm thinking through a couple of right now where and the, yeah they don't want their friends to know anything about it and then meanwhile they're just struggling inside they don't want to go to their teacher if you can get them to i don't yeah. know if i've ever had a situation where it hasn't been a good thing where a teacher's been like you're good you know yeah. But they, they sit with that for weeks, months. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very, they're very vulnerable and sensitive and wounded. Yeah. Because uh, they're in fight or flight. So actually it comes down to trust. Uh -huh. Whatever responses you're having to them in those moments are, are translating to, can I trust you or can I not? So you yeah. can see how people are just blowing that right and left with kids. Yeah. And that's not really what they're meaning to do. But yeah. that's, that's the level the kids are operating at. But I wanted to come back to families. Yeah. And so early on, I tell families, uh, I tell parents, I say, look, I know this is frustrating. I know your child's struggling with certain things that you want them to be able to do. But if you can't create a really trusting, safe, calm environment for them, uh, then we're not going to be able to get to the later stages, mm -hmm. which is where you're going to set boundaries and you're going to be in there helping coach them to use these skills right. in the moment to get through things. But you got to create this climate of trust and loyalty and staying calm with them under all conditions before we can get to that other spot. Because a lot of parents feel like they're enabling. Okay. And, and we are. We're going to enable for a little while until that. we build their trust okay, good. and we build their skill set and we build yours, yeah. parents. Okay. 
and loved ones. Uh, we've got to build your skill set, too, and how to support and help and, and coach them through things. So if I give this kind of go back to this example, so if somebody is looking for some tangible thing to wrap their head around, you've got a, a teenager or a young adult that is, you know, they are they have anxiety. They're struggling to breathe. They don't want to go to school, that sort of thing. Yeah. Parent comes in. I want to help. Here's some empathy. But come on, you know. What do you do? And so I love what you're saying about it's. We're kind of playing the long game. We're gonna to have to double down on empathy yep. before they'll trust us. Absolutely. So you know, what do you tell someone in that situation then? Uh, like, what are they saying? Yeah. In, in yeah, that moment, yeah. the teenager doesn't yeah, want to go to school. Yeah. Well, I think um, part of the conversation becomes maybe not right in that moment. Yeah. It's the night before. Hey, buddy. I know you're having a really hard time getting to school right now. Is this kid's I, name, buddy, or is this, like, universal? <laughs> this is universal buddy. Okay, yes. all right. Thanks for clarifying. You that. bet. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so hey, buddy. Um, you know, I, I'm concerned. Um, I, I can see you're really struggling with being able to get to school right now, and I can see you really suffering with that. I can see that, that you uh, aren't necessarily, I know you're choosing not to go to school, but but you're wrestling with stuff that's, that's out of your control right now and that you just don't know what to do with, and I'm concerned and I care about that, and I want to help you with that. I think we need to talk about some ways to get some help with that. Okay, so when the waters are calm, kind of, yeah. yeah. absolutely, and proactive times. Proactive. When, when they're in fight or flight, we're not getting the frontal lobe functioning, the executive functioning of their brain. We don't have access to that, and they don't either. Okay, so I almost want you to like anywhere. that is that is the uh, I will pick my mic up and drop it moment of this podcast yeah. because I feel like that is that is when we are trying to make sense of it. We really are, um, it, which is so I love well, how you're saying that. Yeah, but moments, and we right? can't. Yeah. I love that. That yeah. we can't. And the only way that we can, and this is why it's stages, um, and even at the later stages, if someone's activated yeah. in intense levels of anxiety, we always go back to square one. Yeah. Nothing but creating safety and help pull them out of fight or flight is okay. going to work. How do you do that? Uh, Hug it out? I, I mean, I'm kind of being lighthearted, oh, oh, but I mean, no, the physical no, touch a, can a be a good thing, times, right? Yeah. Um, hugging it out is too much. Okay. It's too oh, intense. that's good to know. You're coming too close, and so imagine trying uh, when we're in pain, uh-huh. and someone comes close and hugs us. It 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 doesn't necessarily feel good, right? Yeah. It's taking everything inside of us to manage that pain in the moment to get through it if it's an intense pain. Yeah. Um. Uh. And so imagine it that way. Mm. When someone's in intense anxiety. They do need our support. They need us to come in and help them with things that they may not be able to do for themselves in those moments. But we really have to take their lead on that. Yeah. Um, and we've got to help them calm down. And as the anxiety gets smaller, then you might be able to come in. That's awesome. And you might be able to do a hug. And, and, and some touch is great. In fact, you can probably do some touch earlier, depending on the person in your relationship and their boundaries. Um, but a touch is one of the most important things to get the parasympathetic nervous system to kick oh, in. Oh, she pulled out the big words. Yeah, and I hope I got that right. Somebody better Sounds not good. Google that. And see no, but so wrong. you're even just like a hand but on the shoulder or whatever. Exactly. Oh, like a that. hand on the shoulder. Okay. Uh, it does wonders. But I don't want people to run out and do that. <laughs> okay. Because it also can send the person literally running away from yeah. you. It can be too much at the okay. wrong time. Stages. I'm liking so this. You build, you build up to that. And, and, and the be- one of the best things is really get communication going, right? So if you're just checking in with the person and you're asking more about the anxiety instead of running away from that, mm-hmm. um, the person wants to run away from it too. They don't want to talk about it. But if you can say things like, so, so tell me what you're feeling. And if you turn to the body, tell me what you're feeling right now right now is your heart rate beating wow. fast is it hard to kind of breathe um, i love scales tell me tell me how big your anxiety is right now is there anything specifically that you're worried or afraid of right now sometimes there's a trigger that's identifiable and sometimes there's not any come to mind like what you i mean because i'm thinking back to the sometimes it could be school tests friends yep things like that yeah and those are some pretty pretty normal things that we okay. can get anxiety about um uh i uh my daughter really struggles with uh, it used to be storms. Okay. Um, in fact, yesterday there was a tornado warning that just went off on the radio when I was driving to run some errands, uh-huh. and my heart skipped a beat for a second because I'm like, man, if this if this alarm goes off on a cell phone in a teacher's classroom and my daughter's in there and she hears that there's a tornado warning oh. here in uh, uh, you know uh, 
Placer County, then uh, yeah, I'm going to get a phone call. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. have a kid to go pick up. Yeah. Um, so, so storms can be one. Um, that one's actually pretty common uh, with kids. Um, it, you know, the social anxieties start to be, it's hard to go anywhere. So it's not that they're afraid of places, but when they're feeling just generalized anxiety, it's hard to go anywhere. Wow. They want to stay home or stay where they're safe places, where they're not distressed as yeah. much. I know I don't want to take your more of your time because uh, we're we've got so much to cover still. But my yeah. mind went to this place of I went to a training one time and and, there, and the guy was talking about um, when when people are overly stressed and anxious and he was talking about the these different things that were the best evidence based practices to to be able to help quickly relieve the anxiety. He's talking specifically about when the adrenaline is flowing in the body and how much time it takes to leave and that sort of thing. But I still remember when you talk about I'm saying yeah we don't run in and go hug it out. Um, he talked about, ideally, you want to put them on the top of a large mountain where they can see all around them and know that there is no imminent danger. And it was kind of, we were laughing yeah. about it, yeah. but I like that concept where really you're trying to, they just need to feel like they, nothing is about to come attack them, right? Yeah. So even that rushing in with the big bear hug isn't, I mean, that isn't. Yeah, no sudden movement. Yeah, right. you right? got to come okay. in nice and easy. Okay. Yeah. And I do, that, that brings up an interesting point too. So uh, a lot of people know in those moments that their cognition, their thoughts, their words, worries, um, even their reactions to it, they know they're out of proportion. Yeah. They know they're irrational. So trying to rationalize with someone in that moment doesn't work, again, because they're in fight or flight. Um, and they don't have the executive functioning of their brain, which helps us to rationalize wow. our situation. And they already know it's excessive. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, tell me I'm overreacting again. That's not helping. Right. I already know right? that part. So right? it's, it's, it's that emotional attunement that just says, hey, I know that you're kind of... You, you feels out of control. You feel unsafe. What can we do right now to help you feel safer? Okay. Oh, you want me to answer that? Yeah, exactly. Too? I'm like hanging on the edge of my seat here. Come on. Right? Okay. Well, we're gonna move into treatment then, nice. and, and okay. it's it's a great segue. So, um, you know, imagine how out of control our bodies feel when we are at a 10 with anxiety we've all been there before mm. we may not be able to remember it but we all experience that sometimes uh, for people who really have uh, anxiety disorders they're struggling with that all the time it doesn't mean it's a 10 all the time but in a pretty regular everyday sort of way they're struggling with with intense anxiety all the time well so um i i validate for them how out of control that feels um, and and I, then I remind them or start teaching them that, hey, as out of control and overwhelming as those symptoms are in your body, guess what? You can be really powerful and get some of that control back by intervening at the physical level. Okay. So a lot of times um, therapy can mistakenly focus on trying to change the cognitions and yeah. the thoughts and the worries. Now, that comes in later treatments. See, I love that. I to. knew you were ahead. That's perfect. Okay, stages. Later. Stages. Okay. Stages. Okay. So, so we start with in the moment, and this is where family members and loved ones can be helpful too. Um, don't coach in a way that's condescending. Don't try to make a person do it. Yeah. But uh, in that loving, reminding sort of way, it starts with the breath. There we go. There are some, we change our nervous system yeah. activity immediately by taking a breath. Mm. Um, now, a lot of people hear that. That's, that's something we throw around all the time. And immediately people want to go into what's next. Right, and I have to tell you, Shelly, so the you know you know you're I, holding your breath. By I the way. kind of I just am. Saw you go I really like am. This. But and, but I know I I'm so, I've been doing this the Headspace app for four years now, and yeah. I feel still when I start to go down this path, I worry that people are like you know flipping the dial, you know, yeah. um, and I feel like okay, oh here he goes, he's gonna pull yeah. out a mat and strap a little ponytail on his head and put a robe on, and <laughs> but it's it is so important, and there's even correct ways to breathe. True, absolutely, okay, absolutely, and that's something that you we could. Oh, spend wait, by the a way, wait, wait, do you know why I was holding? My breath. Why? I just realized that the camera might be catching my tummy. Oh, yeah, yeah so I was sucking it in. There, yeah, right? exactly. Okay, yeah. but okay. So, Mister, I got up and ran at three a.m. Three fifteen. Yeah, three fifteen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the breath. How? How do we do it? Okay. So, um, we could spend a whole lot of time on lots of different ways to do that and to progressively uh, improve that and master that. But I want to keep it simple, just as a starting point. Okay. In other so, words, you want to come on for a part two. Uh, no, I don't want to do a whole segment on breathing. <laughs> okay, I will. Okay, but anyway, all right. <laughs> because that might be really boring for people. <laughs> but um, but I want to keep it simple so it's something that anybody Absolutely. can apply. Yeah. Uh, okay, so really what we're trying to do is elongate the breath. 
You sitting up straight? I am. I am literally do a little bit right now. I, I'm Not always this. game. I did okay. a little headspace this morning. All right, all right. I'm game too. <clears throat> okay, so what we want to do now? Imagine your heart rate's beating really fast. So here's actually what we tend to do is we actually hold our breath yeah. and we take really shallow breaths, which kind of seems funny. You would think that we're taking more uh, frequent breaths. Um, and some people do. Some people can almost start to hyperventilate. That's where I was going with that, and yes. And, and yep. so, you know, different responses. Um, I know for me, I tend to hold my breath. Okay. Um, and uh, so what we want to do is, is you want to take... It can't be too slow at first, so we're just going to try to take a deep breath in. Yeah, it doesn't have to be long okay. yet. We're going to work up to that. So let's just do like two, a two-count breath. Now, are you uh, – so I'm and I'm a – the Headspace app really makes a big deal about in through the nose, yep. out through the mouth? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Let's do that. We're going to do that a little bit. Sometimes when we blow out too much through the mouth, we can get lightheaded. Yeah. So we're not going to do that every time, but we'll do a couple that way, okay? Right, so right, ready? Two-count in. Here hey, we wait, wait I want people in. that are listening. I want them to do it right now. I'm yep, sorry. Do it with us you right are. now. You are. Okay. Here we go. In. Okay. Through the nose, out through the mouth. We're gonna do two counts in and two counts out. Okay. So here we go. One, two, and out the mouth. Two. One, two. One more time. One, two, out two. One, two. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot that actually happens in that simplicity. Um, what I find people do too quickly is they take their deep breath and then they're right back to where okay. they were. Okay, I love that you say that because I have people that will say, no, the breathing can make it worse. Yeah. And then I want to say, oh, but it, no. no, okay. So loved <clears throat> ones, here's what you can do. You sit with them and do it with them for two minutes. Love it. Two minutes of that will be transformational. Okay. Is that a word? It is now. Awesome. Yeah. So um, so stick with it. So we, we've got to do it long enough for it to actually, you know, bring the body out of fight or flight or down a couple notches from that state. So um, we're trying to elongate. So you can take that one and two and you can extend it all the way. Maybe you get up to five or six, mm -hmm. right? It's creating, you have to, you have to create enough safety um, to be able to do that. So breathing is huge. I'm going to go back to more of a clinical setting for treatment. Okay. So one of the primary things that we focus Wait, so on. So are we moving is, off from breathing? Can I just no, throw, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of summarize that into oh, a couple, get, okay. couple getters. So, so coming back to a clinical setting, what we really do is we're teaching people how to regulate the body okay. in those moments. And again, this is information that, that is good for all of us to yes. have. We can all use this, right? But the, the breath is pivotal. We have nothing else if we don't start with the breath and come back to the breath. Um, from there, we're trying to relax the body. And again, uh, being able to manipulate that from the outside is powerful. So um, I coach kids and adults to do this next. And that is simply putting your hand on your own neck. Oh, or your own shoulder. I think I've seen so you do, do that little, before. Little shoulder massages here. Do you see me do that? I meetings? really have. I Staff really have. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, Shelly has a bad neck. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I think it's all you that. Now you're going to be like, Shelly has anxiety. We're right. stressing her out. Yeah, we're we freaking her out about morning, exactly. And, uh, she needs a little, uh, yeah. So that simple act, again, affects the nervous system. I like it. Um, and can, as soon as you, like, pull your hand away. Can you feel just like your shoulders? Oh, yeah. Like you they know, immediately yes. kind of like go down a little bit, right? right? It's, it's working. Well, what I'm, and, I'm, and I know I'm chomping at the bit, and this is, I want, I, you, you are giving so much good advice here, but I just want to, I continually want to do the plug for it. You have to practice mindfulness. You have to practice the breathing. Yep. Um, there's great right. evidence that says, you know, eight weeks of at least eight minutes a day changes the neuropathways of the brain. Absolutely. I mean, having done this for years, if I, when we just did those little breaths where we turned to, I feel like my body already says, oh, we're doing this? All right, we're kind of calming down. Yeah. And you're talking about right now what, you know, is often referred to is also a body scan, right? You yeah. kind of check in with every bit of your body. And, yeah. you, and at first that feels really silly. I used to not be good at feeling different areas of my body. And now yeah. I feel like, man, I can roll this body scan on down. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry to say so, No, no, that's great. That's, that's great awareness. And that's part of what we do is helping them check in uh, with their bodies. Now, uh, being able to speak to the anxiety, rate it, and intervene at the physical level is crucial. But the larger picture for everyone everyone and people with chronic anxiety is uh, in an everyday sort of way, we have to be reducing our stress. Mm. And we think so much that's about our circumstances and changing life and getting life to be all organized and lined up and, you know, n n no uh, chaos and, and no stresses. 
good luck with that. Yeah. Right? Okay. Good yeah. luck. That's, I mean, that's certainly me some there's stress. some things that we can do to simplify things and make life less stressful. And one of the things I tell people is, is like, you know, you got to make tough choices. You got to choose not to be involved in so much. You got to be mindful of what you're choosing to do in your life. Okay. That's part of it. Um, but, but coming back to um, that piece of just, uh, uh, we have to work to uh, reduce the overall levels of stress that are in our bodies that are just there every day. Okay. So we are talking about going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Now that's one thing, literally going to the gym, but this practice you're talking about, this is a practice of getting yeah. better and better and better. I don't it. think people understand that. I, I have so this either. kind of thing I throw out where when I preach mindfulness, I, I and this is anecdotal, but I feel like about uh, 25% just whatever, I'm not listening to you, old man, yeah. you know, and yeah. and then 25% embrace it like no one's business and then, and then let me know that, oh my gosh, it literally has changed my life. Yeah. And, and fairly quick, right? Yeah. And I feel like there's this 50% where they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'll do it every now and again. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it's not. And that's the part I want to say, oh, come on. You just keep doing it. It has to yeah. be a practice. Do you think it's true that uh, one of the best ways we can improve our quality of life and our relationships is to practice uh, doing these things? Like whether it's literally going to the gym, right? Getting your workout and doing these things that help reduce uh, stress in our systems yeah. and, and help us take care of ourselves. Oh, there's so, so this goes into, I mean, I, I, my, and these, I have podcasts on these about the, my emotional baseline theory. You got to do the self care to raise your baseline to feel like you can put yourself in a better place. You know, the, the way we create habits, we we're literally creating new neuro pathways in the brain, filing these way in the habit center. If you're not doing the reps or not going to the gym or practicing the breathing, it's not ever going to just feel like this is who you are. And when people get to that point where it is a habit, um, it again, like you've been saying, it's life changing. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's effort. I think I shared this in a meeting the other day. But uh, when I went and did my morning yoga class, and then I came in in the afternoon, and I probably saw about five clients. Um, it, it just I just felt different. Mm-hmm. I was so much more present. Um, I wasn't distracted by my own stress in my body. I had energy that mm-hmm. I would not have had. Um, and I just I just felt a difference in my connection in my sessions. Yeah. So if I apply that to the outside world and my family and my relationships, um, it, it, it's it's powerful. And we all know we need to be doing some of this, but you're right. We just have yeah, to Yeah, we have to. It. I mean, you're, so now you got me, you know, my... My daily running, my daily mindfulness, I mean, I just, they have to happen. But I, happen. I think what people don't even believe is that over time, it really does become, it is so, it's so important and necessary. And I mean, I, I love to set out, I literally, I set my running clothes out every night. I'm giddy. If I, I if I wake up before my alarm goes off, I'm extra excited, you know? Yeah. And I'm not trying to say, oh, but... We, yeah. It can become that. It can because become you, the... Because yeah. you feel the yeah. effects of it. And yeah. that's what would be really fun is to start some way where people can, uh, maybe even listeners, can can just pipe in and share yeah. what they did. I went for a run today and, oh my gosh, met my partner for lunch today and I just felt a difference. Oh, my I love quality that. of connection and my presence and my ability to be available just yeah. is transforming. Um, head over to my Facebook, Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist page. And maybe I will start a little thing on that. I would love that to would see cool. that, right? Yeah. Um, I am afraid that you are locked into a part two, my friend. Oh, and I have so many ideas for other things that I want to talk about. Okay, about yeah. anxiety or about other stuff? Other stuff. Oh, yeah, you're locked in. You're two doors down, right? right. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> You make that sound uh, more accessible than it is. I know, true. <laughs> um, but And I hope this is okay if we do. I really feel like the you, you really did a nice job of kind of laying out. I love the concept of stages. I love the concept of like your, your what was it, your executive functioning, the, you know, is not in a place to make, you know, uh, rational, reasonable choices in the moment when one is in fight or flight. Um, As family members, we have to double or triple down in empathy, and it's not a 10-minute exercise. When the waters are calm, maybe that's when we kind of start working on the plan more. Yeah. We don't go in and rush in with a big giant bear hug, yeah. but touch is good. Yeah. And in the breathing part, I mean, I I don't know, that's, that's key. Yeah. Were you going to start working in it? Like, is another part of that? Because you mentioned yoga, and you're huge yeah. on yoga, and you're Thank starting you to do some. Well, you're starting to do some really cool stuff with. I mean, yeah. we're going to do some cool stuff here yeah, at our place it's with. You're getting yeah. really, like changing your flooring. I know my flooring's getting ripped out. I'm getting hardwood floors, and I'm stoked. And I'm. Do you want to kind of tell uh, what is that going to be about, and then we'll yeah. kind of wrap it up? Yeah. Right? So, so you know what the 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 the. the uh, basis of that in a nutshell is bringing yoga practices 
uh, in the office, mm-hmm. right? Because you and I can sit here like we just did, promoting all the things that we can do for our physical health that translate to our emotional and and mental health and wellness. Um, but we're putting that into action. You know? And we're saying there's so much evidence showing that that's... Because yeah. I honestly, in the fact you just said that, gave me anxiety because... I believe in this breathing stuff so much, but I I still feel very vulnerable to have a client do it in session because yeah. I feel like man they're paying me and and are, and are they in their mind thinking I'm not paying this guy to like sit here and breathe yeah. you know yeah. but yet it's like if they're not doing it yeah so, so so powerful for us to do that at the beginning of our sessions do a check in in the middle bring it back to the breath and then do it at the end right because uh-huh. we literally are anything else you're going to say in that session may not even go in. Until that person's level yeah, of, of stress yeah, comes right. down a little bit, right? Yeah, you're right. But yeah, so we are excited. Um, uh, my room's getting turned into a, a, yoga, a yoga studio. studio. Now, this is not yoga like at the gym. Okay. This is going to primarily focus um, on, it's always going to come back to our prana, which is our breath. Okay. Um, and it's going to come back to mindfulness. It's going to be teaching people how to connect to the signals in their body, how to do that body scan, how yeah. to regu- and then how to regulate it, how to move that stress and tension out of our bodies. Mm. Um, we're particularly going to be, be focusing in on helping people who have been through trauma. Okay. Now, you add trauma to a body. Uh, which is a different kind of anxiety and on a whole different level, uh, and that is a trans- that prohibits in some ways people's ability to do uh, therapy in the room. Mm-hmm. So how much more powerful can we be when we're helping move some of that trauma and that chronic state of fight or flight that they're in through uh, uh, some yoga therapy? Okay. Is what we call it. And you're gonna. And you already told us we have to do it, right? Oh, you're going to be my guinea pigs. Yeah. 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 And it's new for me, you know, and and I'm super excited about it uh, because it's just going to be more experiential. It's it's bringing uh, into the office all the things that we're trying to do as just individuals to walk our talk and be healthy people. Um, And now I get to do it with people, you know, in the office. So I love being in the chair, but now I get to be on the mat. Okay. Am I wearing yoga pants? Uh, We're going to, with men in yoga pants, it's a very delicate... (laughs) Um, you know, so, so we're going to talk about that okay. off air, okay. but it's an important question. Yeah. Don't I'd, do anything until we've processed it. First. I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> Shelly Aldrich, this was like better than I had anticipated. That sounds like, like, you know, I wasn't expecting so you much. Were, yeah. Yeah. That is exactly. <laughs> no, what this was great. Like. You know, you, you gave well, me, you gave me a lot of tools that I know I'm going to be able to implement right away and, uh, in my therapy and in with people in my life. And so, um, if you're okay, we'll have you on and maybe we can go into some of the more kind of things you prepared and okay. And then you will be back for all kinds of stuff. I mean, I want to talk about the, you know, therapy with kids. I want to talk about, I mean, just all kinds of stuff, right? So a couple of shout outs that I want to do. So I want us to bring in the uh, gambling addiction panel. We have three of us here. Uh, I haven't even thought about that. Super want to do that. Um, I bet that would be good. I also want to take a personal turn. I'm willing to come on, uh, maybe with my non-therapist hat on, uh, and uh, be a voice and an advocate for uh, family members who are affected by our opioid crisis. Okay. If you're interested. Yeah, of course I am. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Where can people find you, Shelly? BridgesCounselingCenter.com? Yep. Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. That's right. And uh, this will... uh, we will have you back. I'm so All grateful. Right. Awesome. Uh, thank you for being here. There's the virtual couch, but thank you for being here in the chair. Until next time. All right. Thanks, Shelly. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind is wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost. I'm floating past the Aside the things that matter most is wonderful. I have to wonder which ghost is mine. He eats my ponder and somehow takes up all my time. The screen, my fly, 